Hello, welcome back to my cupboard. That's where I record these blogs. I mean, the best quality blogs in terms of audio are done from the cupboard, because this is where the microphone is. But it may not be sounding as dry as usual, maybe a bit more reverberant than usual, because I've been on tour and I've run out of clothes, so there's no, there's not many clothes in my clothes cupboard. I'm in a bit of a rush to record this blog, because I'm off to see Sandy Toxvig tonight. Um, she's performing in Sheffield, I'm not uh, going round her house for tea. Although I'm sure she'd do a lovely tea. You know, maybe just a cup of tea, we're not on that kind of level yet for a full meal. But, uh, you know, a cup of tea, and I'm sure she'd serve biscuits with the tea as well. No doubt, uh, Sandy Toxvig rolls. Ah, off the cuff, my friends. Why does she serve them off the cuff? No, no, no. I mean, the joke was off the cuff. Oh, off the cuff again. Ah, oh, this isn't even part of the blog. Anyway, so basically what I've had to do, because I'm in a bit of a rush, I've not got time to hang up clothes. So I've just kind of done a rudimentary acoustic treatment by dangling shorts and trousers and shirts and boxer shorts around me. There's a pair of boxer shorts, a pair of used boxer shorts dangling above my face right now as I speak. Uh, they're not mine, they're Michael's. Michael from the Youngins. Uh, you know, uh, we've, got, we've got a day off and I'm going to miss him, so it's always nice to have his scent close by. I almost apologise if the sound quality isn't as good, but, in fairness, already this blog has been brilliant in terms of actual quality. And I'm sure you'd rather have a quality blog than the sound being brilliant but the blog being rubbish. Or maybe I'm wrong, though. Maybe you think, I don't mind, David, I don't mind. As long as the sound quality's good, I don't mind if it's absolute dross. Absolute dross, one of the... Uh, global radio networks, lesser successful radio stations. Uh, in order to get that joke, you have to know that Global Radio are a radio company who own various radio stations, including Absolute, Absolute 80s, Absolute 90s, Absolute Noughties. Absolute Noughties, it's sort of just radio porn, audio porn, basically. Their catchphrase is wall-to-wall bangers, but we're not talking about music. My goodness, I'm really on form, bearing in mind. <laughs> None of this is written down. Right, anyway... Sorry, let's get to the blog. It's quite a long one this week. What can I say? I finally answered those emails. Oh, another one, another one. Okay, here we go. This one's called There's Snow Smoke Without Hire. Sort of works. Um, basically, it's a blog about snow, smoke, and not being able to hire a taxi. So, hence the name there. I better make sure I'm recording, actually. I've got a bit paranoid that I forgot to press record. Imagine if this was never recorded. Oh, it's all there. I've even pr- I've stopped the recording, pressed save. Made sure we've got that on the record there. Got a bit of a cold as well, so I must apologise if my voice is a little bit more nasal than usual. We've got a few listeners who are whales, so I'm just communicating to the whale community there. That, you can sum up an entire blog in whale communication. You can sum up this entire blog, which is about 1,500 words long, you can sum it up just in that. Which makes me think we're doing something wrong. Our species, quite frankly. Anyway, there's snow, smoke, without hire. Thanks to the person at Stockport Gig Guide, who on Monday... Oh, what I should do is take my coat off, actually. Sorry, I do apologise. We'll get there eventually. But what I should do is take my coat off, because it's a, it's rustling. Oh, shit. Oh, Hang on, sorry. Oh, Michael's boxer shots have just landed on my head. <laughs> right, sorry. This is not going as planned. Right, here we go. Thanks to the person at Stockport Gig Guide, who on Monday morning very kindly took it upon themselves to urge people to get tickets for our gig in Manchester. Unfortunately, this advert was no help to us whatsoever because the Manchester gig had been sold out for weeks. All it meant was that people saw the advert, went to buy tickets and then tweeted us asking why they couldn't get tickets. But hey, it was a nice gesture all the same. 
apart from the fact that they announced the gig was occurring that night, when in fact it was the following night, resulting in yet more confused tweets to us from people concerned that they'd got the wrong date, and that they'd have to reorganise babysitters, cancel other plans, or saying that they wouldn't be able to make the gig after all. So we spent the entire train journey frantically fielding panic tweets both from people who hadn't got tickets and people who had. Someone at Stockport Gig Guide had managed to log onto their computer at 9am Monday morning and had impressively managed to plunge a band's Twitter feed into an absolute pointless chaos of confusion before the kettle had even finished boiling for their first morning coffee. But I don't want to have too much of a go at Stockport Gig Guide. In fairness, it was just one mistake, and I'm sure that they're usually completely on the ball. Actually, I have just checked their Twitter feed, and their tweet from this morning is announcing that Jeremy Hardy is about to start his new tour tomorrow. I never had the privilege of seeing Jeremy Hardy live, although I always loved his various BBC Radio 4 appearances on I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the News Quiz, as well as his various stand-up shows. I've seen a few tweets from him over the last few years where he's referenced his love for various folk groups, including Bellowhead, and our friend and singer-songwriter Grace Petrie has worked with him on various projects. The word various twice in one sentence, David? A little bit sloppy. I'd like to think he'd appreciate what we do, but to the best of my knowledge, he never attended a young'un's gig. Maybe we should have got in touch to invite him to a gig, under the proviso, of course, that he didn't try joining in with any of the choruses. I mean, I've heard his singing, and I'm sorry I haven't a clue. And we've already got enough out-of-tune singing to contend with at our gigs. Well, in fairness to Michael, he does drive the van and do the accounts. And he's got a lovely scent. When we woke up in Manchester on Wednesday morning, snow had both settled and unsettled. Manchester Airport had cancelled all of their morning flights, putting our journey to Dublin in jeopardy. Our flight wasn't until the afternoon, and the website was still stating that our plane was going ahead, but the uncertainty immediately had Michael concocting other potential ways to get there. Michael, who loves making a plan and loves devising a plan B even more, suggested that we could go from Manchester Airport, then get a hire car and drive to Birmingham Airport, where flights were still running from, and then fly to Dublin from there. This would only cost us an extra £600. I've already written in these blog posts about the young'un's propensity to pay for train tickets that we don't actually end up using for all sorts of circumstances, resulting in us buying another set of tickets for another journey instead. The amount of money that we've spent already this year on unused tickets is ridiculous, so I wasn't particularly keen to rack up even more money on a hire car and a new set of plane tickets on the off chance that our currently non-delayed plane gets delayed. And it wasn't as if this alternative plan was watertight, as it would rely on us getting a hire car and then driving to Birmingham to check in on a flight that was due to depart in three hours. It would take at least two hours to get to Birmingham, but almost certainly longer in this snow. So this plan was dismissed, and everyone agreed that we shouldn't embark on what Michael was abundantly branding Operation Brum Brum to Brum. We were staying in the closest hotel to the airport, just three miles away. But all the shuttle services were massively delayed and there was a throng of panicked people in the hotel lobby struggling to hire taxis. Ah, there's the taxi bit. We've had the snow, we've had, that, we've had the hiring. Where's the smoke? Keep listening. We were informed by the hotel receptionist that it might be two hours before we could get picked up and be taken to the airport. Upon seeing our worried faces, the hotel receptionist then unzipped his jacket to reveal a Stockport Gig Guide t-shirt and then cackled maniacally. We were about to embark on the 50-minute walk through the snow to the airport, but then someone in our group suggested trying for an Uber. 
I am rather sceptical about Uber. I have only ever been in one when other people have booked it. Everyone bangs on about how simple and brilliant it is, but every time I've been with someone who has booked an Uber, the fare seems to suddenly double upon booking, as does the estimated arrival time. I expressed these concerns to the others, but some of the people in our group weren't sporting footwear suited to snortridging, and so the Uber was booked, with reassurances from the app that it would be there in five minutes. But as soon as our sound engineer's finger pressed the button to book, the price doubled. It was as if someone was looking right at him and adjusted the price at the exact moment that his finger made contact with his phone. Just then, we heard a crazed cackle from behind us, and upon turning around, we saw the hotel receptionist showing us the back of his T-shirt, emblazoned with the words, Stockport Gig Guide, proudly sponsored by Uber. Muhahaha. I assume that that last word was an exclamation of evil laughter, although it could easily be the name of our driver. I mean, they're all bloody foreigners with weird, unpronounceable names these days, aren't they? Still, at least the taxi was only five minutes away, and it would save us the walk in the snow. Except, within a minute of making the booking, the time shot up from five minutes to 15 minutes, where it stayed for 30 minutes. People who think that Uber provides a good service are, in my opinion, living on a different planet, probably Jupiter, hence why they are happy to accept the ridiculously slow time that it takes for one single minute to elapse. It was looking increasingly unlikely that we were going to make the airport in time if we waited for the Uber. We would have to walk. Fifty minutes later, we arrived at the airport on foot. The walk cost us five pounds because Uber charge a cancellation fee. So yet another example of the young'uns being charged for a journey that we never actually made. It seems a bit rich for Uber to charge a cancellation fee when it was essentially Uber who forced us to cancel because the taxi got stuck in a time vortex for half an hour. I mean, the bugger was probably just lying in bed, accepting fares, knowing that he could make a pretty penny just on cancellation fees alone. This is the kind of tip that you won't get from Martin Lewis. But if you want to get rich quick scheme, sign up to Uber, indiscriminately accept bookings, spend the day in bed and watch the money roll in as people are forced to cancel a taxi that doesn't even exist because you don't even actually own a taxi. In fact, you haven't even passed your driving test. Although, in fairness, neither have most genuine Uber drivers. When I ask friends why they use Uber, they cite that it is useful to know that wherever they are in the world, they know that they have access to a taxi and that they know what they're getting. But what they're getting is a taxi company that seemingly arbitrarily charges double on a whim and has a similarly arbitrary approach to estimating the time that the taxi will take to arrive. And then they charge you a fee for cancelling the damn thing, despite the fact that you've moved house twice, got divorced, remarried, had children, who have then gone on to have children of their own, and are now an old man lying on your deathbed. And the app is still telling you that the taxi is 15 minutes away. People are seemingly happy to sacrifice standards for standardisation. This is the reason that people go to McDonald's, because wherever they are on the planet, they know what they're getting. It might be shit, but at least it's reliable, predictable, standardised shit, designed for the completely risk-averse, so long as you don't count the risk of heart failure or cancer. At least in France, you can buy beer at McDonald's, meaning that you can always give yourself liver failure to take your mind off the cancer and heart disease. Fortunately, we made the airport just in time for us to check in and then wait for two hours for the delayed flight. This current show that we're presenting is a theatre piece called The Ballad of Johnny Longstaff. It's the story of one man's adventure from begging on the streets in the north of England to fighting fascism in the Spanish Civil War, taking in the hunger marches and the Battle of Cable Street. 
We've brought our own sound and lighting engineers, as well as someone who is responsible for the various visual elements of the show. This means that there's very little for the venue's own tech people to do during the performance. And at other venues, the staff are perfectly content to just put their feet up, maybe even watch the show. But presumably, one of the tech guys last night got a bit bored with sitting around and doing nothing, and decided to spice up the tales of hunger marches and anti-fascist campaigns by engaging the venue's smoke machine. The show ends with a rather emotional story from Johnny and then his voice cracking as he sings the refrain of the song about those people from all over the world who stood up to fascism in Spain. Often the audience find themselves in tears, usually due to the emotion of what they're hearing, but on this occasion also due to plumes of smoke filling the theatre. There was nothing that we could do about it, This is a serious show. We can't just break out of the mood and start bantering about the absurdity of the situation. So instead, we just have to stand there trying not to cough while someone at the venue sent smoke billowing around the room to accompany a dead man's plaintive singing. As we left the stage, I could have sworn that I heard an all-too-familiar evil cackle.